Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Thank you for all of your time that you take today and that you take every week to come here and listen to the Word of God and be built up in, in the Lord because I can't think of anything more powerful than the gathering of God's saints together and just us being together and fellowshipping and in the Word and listening about the Lord. I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing in my whole life than sitting here talking about the Lord and I never thought I was going to be able to teach it like this, but praise God, He's good and He's He's awesome. Amen. So let's uh, let's start with a word of prayer, please. And uh, Lord, just I don't want to say anything else, Lord, right now, but prayer and just pray and just thank you for bringing us here, Lord. And and again, Lord, thank you that just like that last song we listened to, Lord God, thank you that everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Even from the beginning, and yet even starting with Adam and Eve, you wanted to share it with mankind. You want to share eternity with us? You want to share each day with us, Lord. You want, to, you want us to come into your presence all the time, Lord, and just in praise and worship and adoration unto you. You want us to come into your presence and just, just acknowledge you for all the great things that we have in our lives, Lord God. We... The fact that we're alive and the fact that all of us have committed evil, Lord, and the fact that just like we talked about last week, Lord, that you want to save us even though we've done evil, even though we even continue to do some evil, Lord. And just thank you for your love and for your grace and thank you for your sacrifice that you sacrificed for us, Lord. Thank you that you care about us and you love us enough to sacrifice for us, Lord. I thank you that we're all here today and that we're sacrificing for you, Lord, some of our times in our lives, Lord God. And I pray that even at one point, this wouldn't even be a sacrifice, Lord. It would just be a just a joyous venture of love, Lord God. And it wouldn't even be, any, for anybody that listens to this message, Lord, uh, a sacrifice, but yet uh, a joyous venture of love. Anyway, Lord, I pray you bless the message. Bless the hearers. And may they not be hearers only, but may we all be doers of your word. Not just hearers only, because you said in a hearer only looks in a mirror and forgets what he sees and just walks away. But a doer remembers and does. And Lord, may we all be the doers of your word today as we hear it today and forevermore, Lord. May we grow closer with you every single moment of our lives, Lord. I love you and I praise you. Bless this time together, Lord, and bless this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today's title of this message is Religious Hypocrisy Part 1. We may have a 3, but for sure we'll have a Part 2, but most likely a Part 2 and a Part 3. Before we look at Matthew chapter 6, I have a couple little couple statements I want to make from last week's message that are uh, important, I think, that God's drawn me to say. Um, why did Jesus skip all around the laws that he gave last week to teach us. Um, you know, he he went from a, a commandment to a purity law to a this law to a that law. Why, why didn't he just give us all the law? Like he could have gone through every single one of all 623 laws. He could have given every single one of them, or he could have just done one category. You know, just given all the Ten Commandments, or just given all of one section of the law or all of one part or 
you know, I really thought about that, and I had a conversation with a brother after that about this after service last week, and I thought, you know, I need to bring that up. I didn't cover it. I believe personally, you know, when I look at mankind and how selfish we are and how all about me we are or how about I want to earn this or I want to do this, I think personally it's because, see, Christ wanted to give us an example from all over the law, examples from all over the law, because if he was to say given one section of the law, what what are we prone to do in our self-righteous selves? Well, all I need to do is look at that one section of the law or one section. I only have to obey those commandments. But I, I, again, I think he skipped all over because just like he said in Matthew 5.18, For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot nor tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. It's the entire law that is that great tutor that brings us to Christ. Not just one here, one there, just the Ten Commandments, or so on and so forth. And remember, none of it makes us righteous before God. And I always have that saying that God gave me some time ago. Keep The keeping of the law is not to be righteous by God. It's because we love God. Jesus said, it is those that keep my commandments are those that love me. So we don't keep the law to attain a righteousness before God, but we desire to keep the law. We desire to be holy because Jesus is holy, not because I'm holy, because we just want to be obedient because of what he did for us. So the whole law still stands for us today just as much as it did for then. And all the works are still a great tutor because Hebrews 13.8 says, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God never changes. God never changes. Until everything is rolled up like a scroll, all the law still counts, and all the law still brings us to Christ, and we can never be attain a righteousness before God. Just a little last week's punch there to you know, make sure we don't think, well, and, I, and then even I could hear some people now, well, he only gave about five or six, so therefore... I only, I mean, if I just keep those, then I'm, I'm good. You know, maybe he summed up all the 623 and this, those five or six or seven that he gave. But we're going to see today that God's not even looking at just the law. There's ways in which we can sin outside of the letter or even the spirit of the written law by what the section we're going to be going into today. And that's Matthew chapter six. We're going to study uh, verses one through four. So I'll give you guys a moment to get there. Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4. Remember, Jesus is still teaching on the mountain. He's still, uh, you know, sitting up there with those that are desiring or having an interest in following him. This is still considered the great sermon on the mountain. I mentioned this back some weeks back that, you know, this Jesus may have taught this whole teaching. This whole, like two chapters and maybe like a half hour, whereas, you know, we're on our fifth or sixth week, you know, digging in deep to what he really said and what he really meant and and, and digging, 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 digging. So, and we're seeking him in that what we do. So, he changed his re-education last week. You know, remember he re-educated us on the keeping of the law. To this week, he's, he's re-educating us uh, 
in the process in, in the with the Christian principle of giving of uh, tithes or uh, we have here uh, charitable deeds, which is also tithes. Um, and he's re-educating us on something that we don't always think about, but it's what kind of the title? It's the very it's the very deadly religious hypocrisy, and he's kind of showing us how not to be religiously hypocritical. Our next topic, as I just said, we're going to learn on is the Christian principle of giving charitable deeds, or better known as alms. Uh, definition of alms is mercy or pity, uh, especially as exhibited in giving alms or charity. Uh, the the benefaction itself, a donation to the poor, alms. Let's read our word and let's see how the context he puts it in. Matthew 6, verse 1. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do your charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Again, charitable deed, better known as alms. To give you a better idea of what alms were back then, and even we still have them today, even though people don't call alms alms today, it's just known as charities. You know, we have the goodwill, and we have this, you know, we have the Samaritan, you know, Samaritan's purse, and we have all these different charities that we have nowadays. Bring back to a story in Acts chapter three of Peter and John walking into the temple, and they're going. The Bible says at the hour of prayer, and so they're walking along at the hour of prayer, walking into the temple, and they, they come to the gate called Beautiful, where some friends of this crippled man had taken this their friend to lay him at this gate so that he could cry out all day long, alms, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. So what happened here is he was crippled. He could not work. So uh, imagine today, uh, a somewhat an equivalent would be a, a homeless man down on Harry Hines. We we see them often. They stand in front of Seven Elevens, and you know they they beg for money basically all day long. They beg for money so that they can eat and drink their alcohol. Well, this man, they, his friends took him to the Temple Beautiful Gate so that he could sit there all day and ask for alms so that he could survive. He didn't want to be a burden to his family. Otherwise, he could have just stayed home or stayed with his friends, and his friends would have had nothing to do but take care of him. And, and we know that that's difficult on someone or a family, and when somebody just doesn't, you know, like he couldn't work. You know, he, he couldn't stand up and walk and work. So they brought him to the temple gate, and he sat there, and he asked for people, for money, religious people, no nonetheless, because, you know, usually generally religious people are very generous. So anyway, that gives you... Uh, an idea. So he looks at Peter and John. He says, "Alms," and they said, "Look at me." And so they look at him, and he says, "He says, uh, he says, what I listen, I don't have anything right now. Basically, we don't have anything to give you. But what I give you, stand up and walk." And so Peter and John didn't give him any money, but they get him what they gave him what they had, and that was a miracle. So that would have been technically alms for the poor. Alms would be given to those in down and out situations, like I mentioned those 
homeless people off of Harry Hazard we go. Alms are something that God wants people to give, wants Christians to give, if we have them. If we don't have them, just like Peter and John, we can't give them, of course. And how do we know that? Several places tell us that in our word, but look back to 6, 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. Give your alms before men. So that's God's, That's Jesus saying, just be careful how you give your charitable deeds. And then he says, verse 3, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. So even Christ here is acknowledging that we're going to do charitable deeds. That's something God wants us to do is alms, give alms to the poor. That's just one from today. Um Look at me, the three more, you can turn to them or not turn to them. In 1 John 3.17, I'm just going to, this one's really quick. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So what is having the world's goods and not sharing them with your brother? Your, your brother is in need. What do we say a person that would give, you know, you'd give alms to? Somebody he gives alms to is down and out. A brother that has nothing, you want to share it with him. Those are alms. That's a charitable deed. Acts 10, 31 and 32. Uh, there was a man named Cornelius. And he had this vision of an angel who said, basically, you know, we're going to read here in a moment, but Peter and John, Peter comes to Cornelius' house to give him the gospel. So in 31, Corneo says to Peter when he comes, because he comes to give him the gospel, the angel told him to call him. He says, four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. So, Cornelius testifying to Peter when Peter finally gets there, this is what this this is what happened. This is why you guys are even here. This angel showed up before me and he said, Hey Cornelius, awesome. Love to be here. Here's what you need to do. But you know what? You're all that you do for God, God sees it. Your alms that you do for God, he sees it. And our last example would be Mark 3 through 9. Being in Bethany. At the house of Simon the leper, as Jesus sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. And she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. Key. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So what did even Jesus say? They, this woman came in and broke this very costly spikenard, and it was, you know, 300 denarii possibly, and we know that by another gospel, that was Judas that came and said that. And all the disciples started to ridicule her, but what did Jesus say? Hey, you'll have the poor with you always. Anytime you want to do them good, well, what is doing a poor person good? What was the definition of alms? Giving and helping somebody in need. So Jesus was saying, hey, you're always going to have the poor with you. You can always give them alms. So alms is a biblical 
you know, thing that God wants people to do. So, the giving of alms is a good thing. We see that by all the things that God just told us because of the angel, you know, what he told Cornelius before Peter came. And remember, in case you don't know this, but Cornelius, at the time that God said that to him about the alms that he gave, Cornelius wasn't even a saved person. God told Cornelius to call Peter to the house so that he could hear the gospel, so that he could respond, and that Cornelius could get born again, which is what happened in that thing. Now, if God recognized alms that an unsaved person gave to the poor, certainly that's pretty high on God's platform here. I mean, you know, alms are a good thing to, to give. So here in our scripture today, Jesus has given us some re-education on how we're supposed to give alms. So now the alms, you have to look at them, they would also be considered a good work. I mean, nobody would argue with that. The giving of alms is something that God saw, that Cornelius did, it was a good work. So why would Jesus be giving us a warning about how we gave them? Didn't he tell us in 5.16, just basically back one page in my Bible, but you know yours, that we should let our lights for Christ shine before men so that others would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So Christ said we're supposed to let our works shine before men so that they would see our good works and glorify God in heaven. But yet here, Jesus is giving us a warning. Take heed means warning, warning. Why would Jesus be giving us a warning on giving alms when we're supposed to let our good works shine before men? Do I smell a contradiction? I hope not. I'll tell you. So what does Christ want us to do? Does he want us to let our good works be seen? Or does he want us to hide them? Was he confused? I mean, after all, 6.1 to 5.16, that might have not even been five minutes. Hmm. Did he make a mistake? Did Jesus make a mistake? Did he say one thing but mean another? Ooh, I don't know. Man, this stuff is confusing. So what's up? What's up? Why would he be warning us about giving alms? which is a good work that we're supposed to let people see, but then telling us five minutes before, let your good work shine. Here's what's up. Look to verse one of our text. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. So the key here is to be seen by them. Why are you doing your charitable deed? Why are you doing your alm? Why? The warning is for those who are giving to others so that others can see them giving. They're doing this good work so that they may be noticed. Okay? Hypocrisy, our title at its best, is why this chapter section got named Hypocrisy Part 1, Religious Hypocrisy. See, now I always thought that hypocrisy was saying one thing but doing another. But amazingly, I'm learning all the time doing these little teachings and these sermons. Amazingly, hypocrisy, according to dictionary.com, means a pretense of having a virtuous character, moral or religious beliefs or principles, etc., that one does not really possess. 
I learned something new. I always thought, you know, if I tell my son not to drink out of the milk jug for some whatever reason, and then I go after him and I drink out of the milk jug, I'm a hypocrite. And that is, that is one of the definitions. But one of the definitions is not number one. Usually definitions in the in the dictionary have multiple definitions. And this is one this is the first one is having a look looking like I'm really religious and spiritual. So I, I come off with this really this really high oh look at me. Oh I'm I'm so religious, I'm so spiritual. But then really in the reality you're not really spiritual or religious at all. That's actually what the very first definition of a hypocrite is. So this means that the person in verse 2, which gives to be seen, is not a spiritual person, and in fact, they're in sin. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. So look back in Matthew 5.16, Christ is saying that our good works are supposed to be always done so that they point to God and give Him the glory. See? Anything and everything you do for Christ is supposed to always point back to God and point to Him and glorify Him. It's all about doing them so that people would be drawn to Christ. The proper way to do our works for God is so God is lifted up and exalted not us. For example, I've done something really good. I've helped somebody out, you know, in a, in a great way. And they go to thank me. Oh, man, thank you for, for everything you've done. Oh, thank you so much. In turn, biblically, what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, then we should say, you know what, man? You're welcome. But the only reason I do this good work, the only reason I'm doing Anything I'm doing is because Jesus is living in me and he's good, not me. Because without him and aside from him, I wouldn't be doing any good. So that would be the proper response, how we'd handle that. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.12, Beloved, I beg of you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers... They may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Notice he said why we do the good works. Not for your glory, not for our glory, but for what? The glory of God. That's right. This warning that he's given is not for the person that's given the glory to God, it goes to the type of person that Jesus is talking about in our text right here. Look at verse 2, what these people did once they did what they did or before they did what they did. Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. I Surely I say to you, they have their reward. Look at closely what they were doing. They were sounding trumpets in the synagogues and on the streets when they gave to people. Imagine that. Imagine you're walking along. Imagine that today. You're in church. And you hear this horn, this trumpet go off. What, what is that? You're walking down the street and you hear this big loud commotion. And you look over and you see this really special, this really up, you know, nice looking dressed guy and he's 
you know, acting this way or that way, and he's giving something to some poor homeless guy that, you know, is laying on the side of the street and they can't move, and he's going, oh, I, I know, yes, oh, yes, yes, here, thank you, thank you, uh, everybody, and everybody's going, and what would people think to do? People think, to, oh, man, that guy is so awesome. Look what he's doing for that poor guy. Oh, man. Oh, that's awesome. Wow, look. Man, that guy's a really nice guy. Well, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. This warning only comes to those people like this because this is sin to God. Remember how I said earlier about how God just, just always see things the law, breaking the law as sin, but look at here, this is sin. God doesn't warn us about not to do something if it's good for us to do. So anything that God doesn't want us doing, that's sin. So even bringing attention to yourself, doing something like this, that's sin to God. Now, they, this person in verse 2, they were showing their good work so that they could get glory from men. Uh, someone might say to this person, um, oh, thank you so much for what you're doing. Hey, don't worry about it, man. That's right. That's what I do. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, man, why, why did you do the, hey, man, I'm just, I'm just the best guy. You know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, that's just the kind of guy that I am. You know, hey, it's all right. Don't worry about it. You know, could you hear the pride? The pride, the pride, it's all about me. Look what I did. That's the type of person that's going to give that you're going to thank for doing something good. And then they turn it right back and say, yeah, I know. That's, you know, that's just the kind of guy I am. You know, I'm just a great guy. You know? And I've known people like this. I'm just, I'm just a great guy. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. That's, it's okay, really. I, 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 know, I know. I know. So God does want us to give alms. And we know this because of all the scriptures we looked at earlier. But the warning on how we are to give and the motive behind why we give. The same warning that Jesus gave or gave concerning the giving of alms would also stand for anything we do for God. Uh, for instance, list off a few here. If I'm a super caring person, I'm super loving in what I do. I could be really, you know, prideful about, you know what, let's, you know what, I, I know you do evil, but you know what? I'm just a nice guy, and you know what? I love you anyway, just, just because that's the kind of guy that I am. Listen to the pride in that, right? Let's put it even on the Christian thing. I could go witnessing, and I could step back into my church on Sunday morning after I just spent all night in the streets, and I, people go, uh, hey, Ed, what's going on? You know, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm just, oh, I'm real tired today. Oh, man, I'm, oh, I'm really, really tired today. Oh, Ed, why are you so tired today? Oh, man, oh, I just spent all night out there in the streets. Whoo, boy, I was preaching to people about Jesus, man. Boy, that's hard, man. That's hard work. I'm so, so, so tired. And then what's the people going to do? They're going to go, oh, wow, you do that? Wow, man, that's great. Praise God. Yeah, you know, that's, oh, I just love people. You know, I'm just, that's the kind of guy I am, you know. Look at the pride there. That's doing something for God. But who is the attention going to? The attention's going to me. I'm so holy. I never sin. Oh, I just can't stand sin. That's, that's pride in 
abstaining from sin that God doesn't want you to do. Look at how anything can become, look at me, look at how I do it, not, you know, you might say, if, if I abstain from sin, I, I would say something about, man, it's hard, dude, but you know, I only hold back from sin because I know that's not what God wants me to do. See, that's the giving God glory, not giving myself glory. And even like we're going to talk about in the next two weeks, prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting are our next two uh, sections of Scripture, past 6, 1 through 4. People were doing this kind of thing even when they were praying, even when they were fasting. Look at me, oh Lord, look at me when they're praying, but I'm not going to get to that. So at this point in the sermon, we have to discuss motive. What's your motive behind why you're doing what you're doing? This person in this section here only was giving so that others could give him the glory and credit. And we see that the glory and credit for men is, is his reward, just like we read in verse 2. So the person that wants all the glory, wants all the credit, they're looking to please man. They're looking to get that praise from man. That's the motivation of their heart. And Jesus is really warning here, not even upon the action. Of course, it's the action, but what's your motive? Because God can look into the heart, just like we looked at last week. God looks into your heart, and he says, and he looks, and he sees, and he says, Which, why are you doing what you're doing? So this warning from Christ is very powerful because God wants us to look at our intentions of our hearts before we do anything for him. We have to look at it like this. This is kind of the buffer. If we feel drawn to do something for God, for whatever it is that we're drawn to do before God, we have to first look at our intentions and say, why do I want to do that for God? Let me examine myself. Why, why do I want to do this good word or this good deed or this giving this alms? Do I want to do it so that I'm pointing to God in Christ? Or do I want to do it so that Others will look at me because I want everybody to know how spiritual I am. Because one heart, you're still doing the same work. You're still doing the same thing. You're going to give that alms. You're going to pray that prayer. You're going to, are you praying that prayer? Are you giving that alms to be seen by men? Or because God called you to do it or because it's something you want to do for God to give him the glory in what you do. Warning. When we do anything for God, check your motives, check your heart before you do them. And this is heart check time. Let me put it this way. Doing something for God out of the wrong motive of your heart is worse than not doing it at all. So if you feel like God wants you to do something, you have to look, okay, first, what's my motive of my heart? Why do I want to do it? Next, I know that it may not be the best motive, but certainly God wants me to do that because it's, it's the right thing to do. But if you've got the wrong motive of your heart and you get praise and glory from men while you do whatever you do, you get no reward. God wants to give you a reward for the things that we do for him. God wants to reward us when we do a praiseworthy thing for him. But he doesn't want us to get praise from man. He wants us. He wants to give us that praise. Remember in verse 2, Jesus called those who gave alms in a wrong way hypocrites. I don't know about you, but one day I'm going to have to stand before God, and that's not what I want to hear him call me. 
The fact is, the rewards really only go to those that are saved. The unsaved get their rewards from man. Look at verse 3 and 4. But when you do your charitable deed, do not let your right hand know what your or left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And if your charitable deed is done the right way, is what he's saying. Take heed. Your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Now that's where I want to be standing. Amen. Amen. I don't want to stand before God and have him say, you hypocrite. You only wanted to do anything for me so that people would see your good works and all praise you and give you your glory. Uh-uh, because that person's going in the wrong direction. To me, biblically, I see a hypocrite here. Is What was the definition of hypocrite? Somebody that has an outward appearance of religiosity, but really doesn't have it. So the person that's really doing those deeds to, to get that glory for themselves, why are they doing it? They're not doing it for God. They're doing it for themselves. God, in that sense, is not their God. They're their own God. I want your praise. I want your glory. I want your adoration. Not, I want to give it to God. That person there ain't even walking with the Lord. Now, the whole do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing is very important. And as a whole, uh, be private about your giving of gifts or tithes or alms or charitable deeds or whatever you're going to do. Just be private about it. But to be honest with you, are there exceptions to this rule? Of course, yes, there are exceptions to this rule. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? Well, here's what I'm saying. I go out and evangelize down the streets. Me and some brothers go out and evangelize and tell people about Christ. A lot of times we meet up with some poor people, some people that are down and out. And God moves and says, I want to bless this man. I want, I want, you know, I want to feed this man. This man hasn't eaten in a day. And you want to give him some, you want to give him some food. Well, that's technically an alm. But if you're with a party of people, how are you going to hide that alm from those party of people that you're with? You can't. It's impossible. So are there exceptions? Of course there are exceptions. Make sure you check your heart first. Because remember, better not to do it for God than to do it in a wrong way. If you're doing that on that gift, that charitable deed for somebody that's in desperate need, are you doing it so that your team or whoever you're with is going, oh man, that guy had, oh, he's, man, he's a special guy. Or are you doing it, man, hey man. And then a lot of times when we give to those kind of people on the streets, a lot of times those people are like, oh, thank you so much, man. I'll thank, hey man, don't thank me. Thank Jesus. Because he's why I'm down here. If it ain't for him, I wouldn't be down here. Notice how I took the praise that was meant for me that they wanted to give me. Because look, if you receive the praise, you get no reward. And I redirected that praise to God and I said, no, glory be to God. God's the reason why I'm out here. If it were for me, and I, and I have said this more than one time, hey, if it were up to me, and others that have witnessed with me can testify to this. I'd rather be sitting on my couch drinking a Kool-Aid or drinking an iced tea or drinking a Pepsi watching a Christian program rather than being out here. Because a lot of times we go out there, it's cold and I hate the cold weather. I'd rather not be out there. But thanks be to Christ who lives in me, that's why I go and do what I do. And there's where you take your your what you praise you get and say... I'm going to give it to God. So there would be an exception to the rule. Uh, for instance, if you live in a family, 
you know, your wife or your husband or your spouse that would, you know, and you guys have to, you guys are on a budget, but you feel like giving a charitable deed to a, you know, a praiseworthy or a, a, a great organization for Christ. Uh, you know, is the husband going to go ahead and try to make that charitable deed on his own when you're on a budget? No, you have to consult with your wife. So Christ's exhortation here, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In the context of our story, of our account here, of his teaching, he's saying, don't go let everybody know. Don't go in the streets and shout it out. That'd be like um, me giving to the, to the you know, some praiseworthy foundation going out in the street and going, hey man, I gave to the Salvation Army. Hey, hey, look at me. I gave to the Salvation Army. That's that's condemnable in Christ's eyes. That's, that's heresy is what it really is. Um, and again, we can't forget this would be for anything we do for God. Anything. Christ's example here in the next three we'll get over the next two, three weeks is we'll be praying and fasting and and here we're given on alms, but that would be anything we do for God. Just like my examples of witnessing or, or love or anything. Anything we do for God, we be, we just better check our hearts and say, I need to be careful. Who am I doing this for? And it better not be for me. Um, look at your attitude. Christians, just be careful why you're doing what you're doing. Many times in the Old Testament, because this, this you would think, well, this is just Jesus, but many times in the Old Testament... God gave warnings to the Jewish people and said, I see your religiosity, but but you're not doing your religiosity to be seen by me. You're doing it so that you look good for all those that are around you. Well, God was giving warnings about that in the Old Testament because people. this has been something people have been doing for thousands of years. People just haven't been doing this today. I mean, looking real spiritual today and trying to, you know, whatever. They've been doing this for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Now, We'll end with this. If someone is born again, then they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And the Holy Spirit will help keep you away from this pitfall. We just have to be listening. If a Christian, a real born-again Christian, were to do something like this, the Spirit of God would give you the biggest check in your life, and I'll guarantee you would at least do it maybe once. Maybe one time. Give something and then you oh look oh oh because if you're born again you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you the God would be going knife yeah. knife knife in the gut what are you doing boy where's that glory go where's that praise go that praise don't go to you that's my praise you are supposed to be like a like a a, a straight sheet of glass when people look at you they're supposed to look at me on the other side where am I look let them see you but look right through you unto me. That would be born again. Um, Christians, let your light so shine that people see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. Uh, not you. And just be careful. Anything you do for God, just be careful. This is such an easy pitfall to fall into because our flesh wants that praise. Our flesh wants that glory. Our flesh wants that oh me look how super spiritual i am and you know and the more you do for god warning 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 again in christ you know if he was he is alive today and he tells me this today the more you do for god the more people want to give you praise and adoration and glory the more you do for god the more you serve god the more people you help the more spiritual things you do the more time in prayer you do those who know you the best that may that may you know they may call you and be like hey well you know, I'll, I'll be right with you i'm i'm I got to do something for the Lord right now. Man, you're always doing something for the Lord. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's all right. 
that's, I'm, you know, I, I know, I, I, and I just love God that much, you know. I just, that that's something you really easily fall into. But again, the check there, even though how slight that was, the check would be there. God would be saying, "Hey, yeah, you, you know, you're only doing what you're doing for me right now because I called you to do it, not because you're some super spiritual guy. Because God knows our hearts, and I and I'll be on the first one to say that most of the things that I do for the Lord." And this is a knock against me. I'd rather not be doing in my flesh. I don't ever say, all right, I'm going to spend an hour in the Word of God. Or I don't ever say, all right, I'm going to pray for others. Whoop! yes, thank you, Jesus. I just can't wait to do that. It's more along the lines of, oh, all right, Lord. I know you, I know you called me to do this. I got, I got to get this done for you, Lord. I know, I know it's something you called me to do. And, and that's just on me. So anytime you look at, Oh, man, look at how great that guy's doing. Or, oh, look at how spiritual that guy is. Notice, most likely that person, whoever that super spiritual person is, if you know somebody like that, is not doing it because they're like, oh, right, in the flesh. They're like, oh, but I got to do it because I love you. <laughs> That's kind of more what it's like. So don't give them the credit. Give God the credit. So now if you're not born again, you're not saved, but you're religious, okay, and you see yourself doing religious things like, you know, the person in the scripture today and it doesn't bother you. So you're moving along in life and you're a pretty religious person, you're a pretty good person, but you're you're getting that praise from people and you're like, ah, yes, yeah, yeah, I know, that's me, yeah, I'm good, yeah, 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 yeah. praise God, but yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's hard, but oh, you know, it's just, man, I gotta do it, you know, it's gotta do it, you know, then and it doesn't bother you, the warning. Warning, because if you don't have the check, if you don't have the Holy Spirit saying, hey, dude, my son, hey, what are you doing? And you're not heeding to the Holy Spirit, and you're getting that praise from men, you're in trouble. This is just like the person that Jesus talked about in our scripture today. In my opinion, he is not saved. He doesn't have a relationship with God, and he's taken away from that glory that God's supposed to get, and he's pretending to be spiritual and godly, and he's taking it for himself. This person is in danger, I believe. Um, the Bible says that whenever you hear, and if that's you, you know, doing that kind of thing, being religious, being super spiritual, and taking that glory, repent. Surrender to Christ, because the Bible says that that's dangerous. Jesus said they got their reward. They're not going to be rewarded by God in secret. That's dangerous. The Bible says, repent, surrender your client, surrender to Christ, and make yourself a bondservant. And what a bondservant is, is it's someone that sees what Christ did for them, sees what God did for them, and then they willfully say, I want to do this for you because I love you. Not to be saved once again, but because they willfully put themselves in the position of a slave, of a servant, because of what Christ did for them. That is a bond servant. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for those that want them, want him to be their God. He's looking for all of us that are wanting and desiring God to be our God. Not, how can I glorify myself? Not, how can I be my God? But, how can I make God my God? I need to surrender to him and I'll be a bond servant. Now, the Bible says for us to repent. And that word repent means to turn away from self and to continuously seek God and what he tells us to do 
and not live in the flesh and not live for the things that we want to do, but to live for Christ. God doesn't want us to just acknowledge our sin before him. And notice that he doesn't want you to say, oh, I know I do those bad things, but, you know, oh, Lord, you know, please forgive me. And then keep doing them. He says, acknowledge the bad things that you see that you do for, you know, that you do against me. And then make every effort in your heart to say, I don't want to live that way anymore. I need to turn to you and not live that way anymore. And that's true repentance. And that's what the Bible says is really real salvation. Salvation, really, summed up in a nutshell, Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How much do you fear God and how you live your daily life? Are you living your daily life and, you know, doing all kinds of sin and thinking it's okay before God? Are you living your daily life and seeking the praise and the glory and honor from mankind? Because if you are, you're in danger. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So until you have a reverent fear of the Lord and you turn away from what you do because you have that reverent fear of the Lord, salvation is cut off from you. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we just ask, Lord God, that you would touch hearts and minds and souls today, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that we as Christians would search our hearts and make sure that we only do things for you because it gives you glory. I pray that we would only, only, only ever do anything as long as it gives you glory and gives you honor. If any praise should be given to us at all, we're wrong and we need to repent and not do that, Lord, because we don't want our reward from man. That reward from man is passing. That reward is momentary. And we get no reward from you. And whether we desire a reward from you or not, Lord God, I just pray that we desire to sit at your feet daily and we desire to sit at your throne foot when we die and just sit there forever and just love you and and just spend an eternity on our face just worshiping you. And Lord, for those that are religious that may be listening and think they're spiritual, Lord, and they're getting their praise from man, God, I pray that they would repent And I pray that they would realize that we are all evil and wicked. And Lord God, not only have they lost their reward, but they're really, they don't worship you as God. They worship themselves as God. I pray that they would turn away, purpose to turn away in their hearts from all these evils, from getting praise from mankind, from looking all holy and taking the praise of men, or doing anything that they do for you, or even anything that they do for themselves, that they want to make people see them and all how they're such a good person, because you know, because that because they're desiring that praise and honor from men. And I pray that they would knock it off, Lord. I pray that they would repent and quit on themselves and give their lives to you, and and desire and decide to be a bond servant, Lord Jesus. And make that step and take that step, Lord God, to say, I want to be like a straight piece of glass in a car where whoever looks through me just looks at the road but Lord whoever looks through us whoever looks through me Lord I want them to see you I don't want them to see me I don't want anything from anybody Lord I just want my reward from you God change their hearts turn their hearts to this type of person Lord God which in essence is humility it's humble God I pray you'd break them right now Lord God and turn them to you that they would be humble and not prideful thank you so much for your lessons Thank you so much, Lord God, that you teach us how to live life. You teach us and you warn us about these pitfalls that we can fall into so that we may walk closer with you 
so that we may walk more intimate with you and so that we may know what it means to please you. We love you and I praise you and I thank you, dear God. And I just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.